Hello and welcome to the Advocacy Associates podcast. My name is Stephanie Vance and I am the Advocacy Guru at Advocacy Associates. Today I want to share with you some thoughts on why the legislative process is just like Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, I know it sounds weird, but stick with me and I'll tell you what I mean. But first of all, I want to share with you a little bit about Advocacy Associates. Some people may not know what we do. Well, basically, we work with associations and businesses that want to impact public policy using effective advocacy techniques. What does that mean? Well, that means that we try to inspire leaders and advocates and arm them for action. We try to create and implement winning advocacy strategies. We connect citizens with lawmakers through lobby days, site visits, and other events. And we harness the power of new technology for advocacy success. So if you're interested in any of these techniques for effective advocacy, I hope you'll visit us on the web at www.advocacyassociates.com. And now on to that Thanksgiving thing. This is one of my favorite tip sheets that I've offered throughout the years and uh, will be offering again this Thanksgiving. It's something that entitled, Why the Legislative Process is Like Thanksgiving Dinner. Basically, the legislative process has been compared to the process of making sausage. While some may find the final product palatable, you don't really want to see how it's made. However, I've recently come to a profound and somewhat startling realization. Forget sausage. Think Thanksgiving dinner. What do I mean? Well, every year we host Thanksgiving dinner for 10 to 15 of our friends. They're usually uh, California expats who are trapped here in Washington, D.C. When we started planning the menu this year, we came to the stark realization that each of our guests has a very different and a very steadfast idea of what the Thanksgiving feast must include. The Chardonnay faction went head-to-head with the Pinot Noir block. The green bean casserole enthusiasts simply could not come to terms with those preferring green bean almondine. And I sincerely thought that the mashed potato and gravy versus sweet potato casserole controversy would erupt into a fist fight. So how did we select between these conflicting and equally worthy menu items? Did we make the hard choices? No! Instead, we had two kinds of potatoes, two kinds of green beans, even two kinds of turkey, regular and tofurkey for the vegetarians, including myself. And the varieties of wine available became too numerous to count, especially after we drank some. So when you wonder how Congress comes up with these bills that have 18 million unrelated items, just take a good look at your own holiday traditions. And here are a few tips to hopefully help you think of all this in a different way. First of all, understand where the other person is coming from. Is your Aunt Millicent really insisting on her beloved Brussels sprout surprise because she's a horrible person? Will explaining to her over and over again that no one else likes Brussels sprouts really convince her to forgo her longtime favorite? Not likely. Remember that members of Congress are representing the same diverse and um, interesting perspectives when it comes to policy matters. Second, fight for your form of potatoes. Speak up. If you have to have sweet potato casserole at Thanksgiving, say so, and do everything you can to make that happen. Don't just sit there at the table all squinchy-faced thinking about how your meal is ruined because it doesn't include what you want. You may not be successful in lobbying for your potatoes, but you'll feel better if you ask. And who knows? You might not get your potatoes this year, but maybe you can have something to say about the style of cranberry sauce. Or perhaps a promise, be sure you get it in writing, of your form of potatoes for next year. Number three, develop alliances. My stepsister and I always join forces in lobbying for the sweet potato casserole, and we've developed strong alliances with other factions. As a result, support for our preference has remained rock solid despite repeated efforts to have it removed from the menu. Think strategically and politically about how you form these alliances. Who is the ear of the menu planners in Congress? How can you join forces with them to get your menu item on the table? 
And finally, of course, be prepared to give thanks regardless. Many of us, thankfully, have enough resources and space for leftovers to please the majority of our Thanksgiving guests. That's a pretty big thing to be thankful for at a time when millions of people around the world go hungry. In the policy arena, remember that the U.S. Congress is dealing with somewhat more finite resources. Actual choices must be made, and sometimes the things that we like lose out, especially when new menu items, like rebuilding from a hurricane or having a war in a small country, start filling up most of the plate. So take a deep breath, think of the things you are thankful for, raise your glass of Chardonnay or Pinot Noir or whatever you want, and vow to continue the fight for your potatoes another day. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of the Advocacy Associates podcast, and I hope you'll visit us on the web at www.advocacyassociates.com. And if you're enjoying it, let me know. I'd love to hear what kinds of topics you're interested in talking about, and I look forward to working with you as you go forth and advocate.